ろいろなことが起きている中でも全く変わらず私どものタレントを応援してくださっているファンの皆様には本当に感謝の気持ちしかございません。Welcome to Deep Dive from the Japan Times. I'm Sean McKenna. You were just listening to the now former president of talent agency Johnny and Associates, Julie Keiko Fujishima, at a press conference held last Thursday, September 7th, where she acknowledged that her uncle, Johnny Kitagawa, the founder of the company and one of the most powerful men in Japanese entertainment when he was alive, had abused young boy band members at the agency. The four hour long press conference marked the first time the agency has acknowledged the abuse had occurred. And the executives who gathered for it, including new president Noriyuki Higashiyama, used the opportunity to answer questions from the press and address how they might move forward. On today's show, I'll talk to culture editor Alyssa I. Smith and writer Patrick St. Michel about what Japan's music industry might look like post acknowledgement. And we'll talk to reporter Karin Kaneko, who has been covering the issue for the Japan Times. Some of the discussion on today's show will cover mature topics, so please be forewarned if that's not something you or your family members nearby are comfortable hearing. Before speaking to our guests, though, I hit up a hair salon in Tokyo to get a sense of what people there thought of the Johnny scandal. So I'm in Shinjuku to get a haircut at my friend Take Salon.、Um, I've been going to him for about 16 years, and he's had a few shop locations. The previous one was right in the middle of Shinjuku, but when the COVID 19 pandemic hit, his customers stopped coming into central Tokyo, and he lost about 90% of his business. So Take pivoted to targeting otaku. Uh, for those who don't know, otaku are kind of like obsessive fans. Sometimes we translate the word as nerd in English. So you have music nerds or Game of Thrones nerds or anime nerds. In Japan, you'd be an anime otaku. Anyway, Take had always been a fan of J pop, and so he started marketing his salon to fans of the boy bands that are signed to Johnny's. I've seen people go in for a cut and style, and they'll put up pictures of their favorite Johnny singers, and they get to talk about them at length, and there's basically no judgment. So, with the current scandal going on, I wanted to ask Take about what he and his customers thought of these abuse revelations. Okay, we're here, let's go inside. So I sit down for my haircut, and I'll warn you, it was a bit loud in there. But anyway, the first question I wanted to ask Take was who his favorite Johnny's act is. Stones? Stones? Yeah. What do you like about Stones? I like Kyomoto Taiga. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I like Stones, but mostly I really like Kyomoto Taiga. Why?、Uh, his voice, his songs, is really good. Right. And he's handsome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Being a fan, I wanted to know if the relationship he had with Stones had changed at all due to the scandal. He said it didn't, but he still had some concerns about how the band would be affected by the news. If the company Fuji TV or something don't use Johnny's, so that means I can't see Kyomo on TV. That's a problem for me. Right. 
So there's a chance that these TV stations might not use Johnny's members. Yeah. And so then you're going to you can't see your favorite Johnny star on mm. TV anymore. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Taki's view of the situation is one that he says a lot of his customers have too. They want their fandoms to continue and they want to keep seeing their favorite talents on TV. How do you hope they're going to handle this situation? Um, it's impossible, but I hope, you know, like before, just before, Johnny is one of the top idols in Japan, men's idol. But now, we think Johnny's how it's gonna be. No one knows. Right, right. Worry. I need Johnny for Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. Oh. Even, you know, the boss, uh-huh. Johnny, yeah. was like that. But anyway, he made this really big, great thing. Mm-hmm. What he did, I don't know, but what he make for the company mm. is really great thing. It's complicated. <laughs> complicated, yeah. <laughs> I pressed him a little on the distinction between Johnny the person and Johnny the company, and we spoke a little about whether or not the company needs to change its name. I don't think so. Why they really think about the name? Uh, because he, he's, that's his name? Yeah. But it's not Johnny Kitagawa. Johnny's. His name is not Johnny. Johnny. To change different. So you think it's like a different. Mm. You don't think about Johnny Kitagawa when you hear Johnny's. But I said, you know, he was. What he did and what he made is different. That's why I don't think if I hear Johnny's, I don't remember that kind of things. Okay. Janice is most famous Japanese men's idol company. Right. That's Janice. Right, right. So from a fan's point of view, what Johnny Kitagawa and others built, not just executives, but acts like Hiromi Go, Hikaru Genji, Smap, V6, Arashi, Katun, and Stones, all of them are Johnny's. And that legacy is bigger than one man and his crimes. Okay, so I show back, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Is like this? Great. Okay. Cool. Great. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Japan Times reporter Karin Kaneko has been covering the scandal surrounding Johnny and Associates for us since it began to heat up earlier this year. Karin, welcome to Deep Dive. Thanks, Sean. It's your first time. I'll do my best. <laughs> okay, good. Karin, the allegations of sexual assault against Johnny Kitagawa, who died in 2019, have been around for decades. They were reported by some in the Japanese media from time to time, definitely by the international media. Why has this year proved such a crucial tipping point for this issue and the victims? So it started in March with the airing of a documentary from the BBC. It's titled Predator. The Secret Scandal of J-Pop. And yeah, like you said, the allegations weren't exactly secret. But it's true that mainstream Japanese news outlets never talked about them. That documentary was by journalists Mobin Azar and Megumi Inman. And props to them for their work. I gotta say though, when I first saw the documentary, I didn't think it would have as much of an impact as it did. Yeah, um, I also didn't think because... It's such a taboo topic, you know. Mm -hmm. But another thing that kind of like 
push this issue forward is a month after the documentary was released, a guy named Kawan Okamoto, he did a press conference at the Foreign Correspondent Club of Japan and he shared about the abuse that he went through. I received a lot of criticism for making such a statement in a public forum, including, for example, people saying that it was just a publicity stunt to promote myself. I learned a lot from this experience which I went through about how the world reacts to such things. There were naturally times when I was hurt and times when I felt that I could not take all of this on my own and times where it was also psychologically extremely difficult. Who is Kawan Okamoto? So, Kawan is a Japanese-Brazilian singer who used to be a part of Johnny and Associates as a Johnny Zoo junior. It's, um, it's like a section of the company that acts like a pool for choosing new talents that would go on to be like pop stars. Right. And what happened to Kawan in his time in Johnny's Jr.? Right. So at the press conference, he said that he was abused up to 20 times oh. between 2012 and 2016 when he was um, 15 years old, which is really young. Right, right. Between 2012 and 2016, that's really recent. Yeah, so it was when what, Kitagawa was like 80-something. Mm. But as you know, the allegations, it actually goes all the way back to the 1950s. Mm. Speaking of that, you interviewed another victim, Junya Hiramoto, who is now in his late 50s and head of the Johnny Sexual Assault Victims Association. Is that a new group? Yeah, it's really recent. It's created this year um, at the end of June. So he told us that some of the idols had tried to, um, in the late 1980s, to speak up about what happened, but no... Japanese news outlets were interested, um, especially TV, and it's just got dismissed as like these rumors. Hmm. There is this allegation that Johnny and Associates had put its talents on the major TV programs at the time, which was a brilliant idea in terms of building a fan base. We talked about that legacy on a previous podcast that I can link to in the show notes. But that allowed Johnny's to effectively hold the TV stations hostage if they wanted to, meaning if Johnny's received negative coverage, it could withdraw its talent and the TV ratings would plummet. Back to the present, though, um, we're in 2023 and new survivors like Kawan Okamoto are speaking out and old survivors like Junior Hirimoto are speaking out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like the time right now, it's really different. Because there's more awareness surrounding sexual abuse mm. after, like, the Me Too movement. And there's also um, the use of social media, which has increased since way before. So there's, like, less gatekeeping. Right. So, yeah, even if, like, the major Japanese news, they aren't reporting on something, that issue can still get out there. And it did. And people paid attention this time. Yeah, I mean, after the documentary aired, I saw a lot of fans on social media kind of requesting clips to be translated in Japanese. Eventually it was translated in Japanese, but even people in China and Indonesia, they all kind of were looking for information on this. And it seems that behind the scenes, things were happening too, yeah? 
Yeah. So it turns out that after Kawan's press conference, uh, the president of the talent agency, Julie Keiko Fujishima. That's uh, Johnny Kitagawa's niece. Yes, his niece. She met with Kawan and she apologized for like the suffering he went through. And she was like really sincere about it. And Kawan was really like, I guess he feels like validated as a victim. Hmm. Yeah, and after the fans and the signatures to Johnny and Associates, I think around like two days later, on May 14, Fujishima released a video and written statement on the company website. She apologized like to the victims, fans, and business partners, but she claimed that she was not aware of the abuse. Right, so on one hand, I think behind the scenes, Fujishima is kind of trying to fix the situation yeah however she's not kind of like going as far as some people would like yeah i guess it didn't sit well with lots of people that she didn't know about the abuse Hmm. because she has been there at the company for a while Mm -hmm. yeah there's like there's no way she wouldn't know you know right yeah so in june um johnny and associates hired a team of three outside specialists to investigate the claims. Um, They were made up of, like, specialists, including, like, a lawyer who used to be, like, a high-ranking prosecutor Mm -hmm. and two specialists in child trauma and sexual abuse. Okay. And the issue is also even, like, getting mentioned in the Japanese parliament Hmm. with politicians discussing laws to protect children. And... Even, like, I guess, like, outside, like, from outside Japan. Mm. Yeah, so in August, two members of the five-member UN Working Group on Business and Human Rights, they visited Japan, and they also met with uh, Johnny Kitagawa's victims. Oh, so the UN even got involved. Yeah, it's insane. (laughs) And they came to the conclusion that the government had a responsibility to ensure transparent investigation and to make sure that victims receive remedies. Remedies can include an apology or financial compensation. Okay. Um, so finally, the team of experts Johnny's hired delivered its report on August 29. And it was really bad. Like <laughs> the content, it's really bad. Right. So basically what the report said, and I quote, Johnny and Associates did not take appropriate actions, such as investigating whether the sexual abuse allegations against Johnny Kitagawa were true or not. Mm. And the report also said, and I quote, Johnny and Associates had a serious problem of lacking governance. (laughs) Another thing they said is that um, all these kind of problems arise when you're dealing with a family-run business. Because Johnny and Associates, it's all like family. Right. It was him, his sister, and then her daughter, his niece. Yeah. And the report suggested that family members won't hold each other to account for bad behavior. Right. So this brings us to last Thursday. And there was a nearly four-hour press conference with Julie Fujishima and other high-ups in the company. First of all, that press conference was really long. (laughs) Yeah, I was at the press conference and... Julie, at some point, Julie Fujishima, at some point, she had to take, like, a bathroom break. Right. Yeah. But 
Yeah, so the company laid out a plan of what it is going to do. And the major news out of it was that、um, Julie Fujishima finally admitted that the abuse happened. And she also apologized for her failure to take action while Johnny Kitagawa was still alive.、Hmm. She said that she would also step down as a president and that the victims would receive financial compensation. So, is this issue any closer to being resolved now? No, it's a challenge to resolve this because these allegations, you know, this abuse, it's just like. The damage、mm-hmm. that it has is really severe. But yeah, there's a lot of like issues at the press conference. Julie Fujishima, she has stepped down as a president, but she still like retains 100% of like the company's stocks.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's also abuse accusations against、um, the new president. He's an actor and he's a singer. At Johnny and Associates, she's, he's like the most senior member at the agency. His name is Noriyuki Higashiyama. So, how did these accusations come out? So, a reporter asks a question Oh, you have、uh, like allegations of like power, harassment, and also like sexual abuse. And his response, he responded by saying that he couldn't remember.、Mm. And maybe it's like just a misunderstanding. Oh, he said it was a misunderstanding. Yeah, he's like, I can't remember, but it may happen or may not happen. But if it happens, maybe it's just like a joke being misunderstood or something. Right, that's not a good sign. Okay. What has happened since the press conference last week? So, after the press conference,、um, a few of Johnny's corporate sponsors、um, they began announcing that they would no longer be using the agency's performers in their commercials. And also, the agriculture ministry said that they will halt its relationship with、uh, Shigeru Joshima.、Um, he's from the band Tokyo. He's kind of an ambassador for the ministry. Just for some context,、uh, Tokyo was a huge band in the 1990s, and Joshima is 52 years old. He's like an established presence in the Japanese entertainment world. Yeah. And on Wednesday, and this is really big news, Johnny and Associates announced that they will no longer receive management fees from the TV appearances, commercials, and it will all go directly to the talents themselves、mm-hmm. for a year. They won't be taking a cut at all.、Hmm. Yeah. So,、um, in an official statement on its website, they said, and I'll read it here.、Hmm. The root causes of the issues that have caused everyone inconvenience lie in the late Johnny Kitagawa, the perpetrator in our company system.、Um, Johnny's also announced it has established a victim relief committee and it will set up an online compensation application portal. It's in line with the recommendations made by the third party investigation committee I mentioned earlier.、Mm-hmm. And the statement also outlines how the victims can apply for compensation. And finally, the company said that with the establishment of a new management team on October 2nd, the firm will also appoint a chief compliance officer from outside the company.、Um, it's to strengthen governance and prevent similar incidents from taking place in the future. Well, Karin, thanks very much for getting us all up to date on this whole thing. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sean. 
We are back with Japan Times culture editor Alyssa I. Smith and culture writer Patrick St. Michel. Thanks to both of you for coming back on Deep Dive. Thanks for having us. It's always good to see you, Sean. <laughs> I guess we should start with the latest news. So after last week's press conference, the one where Johnny and Associates uh, President Julie Keiko Fujishima stepped down but retained ownership of the company, at that press conference, she apologized to the victims, the fans, and the company's business partners. She may have been aware of how this scandal might play out with the business partners. Um, Alyssa, can you catch us up on the news involving corporate partnerships with the talent agency? Sure. So the Japan Times most recently reported that Suntory Holdings, McDonald's Japan, and Nissan have announced that they wouldn't use Johnny's talent for new commercials. Um, they join a growing number of companies that are severing ties. Some of the others are, let, let's see, Tokyo Marine and Nichido Fire Insurance, Japan Airlines, Asahi Group Holdings, and Kirin Holdings. These announcements have been released ever since last Thursday's press conference. Mm-hmm. Any Johnny's talent with ad deals just now, though, like uh, Takuya Kimura, also known as Kimutaku, he's currently in an ad campaign for McDonald's, they're not going to cancel those. They just want to stop new contracts. Yeah, they're not going to get rid of Kimutaku, right? He's the guy who's often referred to as Japan's Brad Pitt. Right. So there's this interesting push for accountability by these firms, which puts them on what many would see as the right side of the argument. For example, Suntory's announcement came with a push for Johnny's to outline specific plans for reparation to the victims, as well as prevention measures, including strengthening of the agency's governance. So interestingly, one company said that they'll keep their sponsorship going. That was Ken A Pharmaceutical, and they have a deal with Shunsuke Michieda, who is a member of the pop group Naniwa Danshi. Ken A's reasoning is that supposing Michieda was a victim, although there's no indication that he was, but supposing he was, hmm. then taking away the contract from him is unfairly punishing him. Patrick, you've been writing about Japan's music for about 15 years. How will the suspension of sponsorships affect the actual pop stars? I think a lot of people see Johnny's and Associates as this giant entertainment powerhouse. And they are, but they aren't the only player in all of this for the talent. When it comes to music, it's actually the labels and various music companies that each group or talent is signed to that's kind of like determining how much money they'll get from music sales, CD sales, things of that nature. What Johnny's does that's really important for the talent themselves is help land them commercial endorsements, drama appearances on TV, variety show spots, anything that's kind of outside the realm of pure music. Right. That's where a lot of these talents' money really comes from, is the ability to have a sponsorship with a McDonald's or a Japan Airlines. That's where they make a lot of money just for themselves. You know, Johnny's itself will get a cut as well, and they'll also provide sort of a monthly stipend, if you will, to the talent. But if you're a really in-demand talent, you're going to make more money, as it is in a lot of places in the world. Because of all of this, the talents now are going to, at least in the short term, see reduced profit from the worlds of ads and potentially TV, appearances on music shows, all these other extracurricular entertainment activities that has helped like make them very profitable as performers. If the suspension of contracts is like seen as harming these like beloved pop stars, do you think fans might 
push some kind of backlash. Like it seems the fans have had a big say in how the scandal has unfolded so far with their like online petition. And I think they were the ones who demanded like Julie Fujishima bow at the press conference. Not that she wouldn't have, but like that was something they wanted to see. Yeah, that was definitely one of their like, we need to see this. You made Smock bow years before. Right. Now it's your turn. Yeah. You know, I do think there will be a bit of a sort of backlash against the corporate backlash to Johnny's talents because fans of these performers who are tied with this agency have such a tight relationship Mm. uh, as fan and entertainer to these performers. As we've seen from things like the petitions online and just various outspoken fans talking about how the corporate structure of the company needs to change and people need to take responsibility – At the same time, they're very much like the performers didn't really do anything, right? They shouldn't be affected by this financially or have their reputation impacted as a result. Because of this fan love for the performers, I'm curious to see like how long this corporate boycott actually goes. Is it just kind of like an immediate, hey, let's back away from Johnny's talent for a few months, let the situation cool down? And then, Kimutaku, you can talk about Big Macs all you want again. Hmm. I think a bellwether for this is going to come in November when NHK announces the lineup for their annual Kohaku Utagasen year-end extravaganza. Hmm. Traditionally, that's a show that is loaded with Johnny's talent to the point where sometimes those very talent host the show. Like Usually it's, almost, it's Arashi, right? Yes, it is Arashi. And members of... Other groups sometimes get involved as well. So when they make that announcement, it'll be interesting to see if NHK actually like is with all these other companies where it's like, well, maybe we should hold off this year. Or if that's the moment, it signals a return to quote unquote normal. Mm. Well, NHK made a statement on September 7th saying that it uh, takes the news about Johnny's very seriously and the company is reflecting on its lack of reporting on the issue in the past, um, despite it being covered by other outlets. Um, It pointed out in the statement that part of the third-party report says that Johnny's was able to operate with little criticism from mass media, and this contributed to the abuse taking place for so long. So NHK is saying it didn't fulfill its role as a member of the media and it will be more committed to delving deeper into the truth from now on. Hmm. In light of that, um, the company wants Johnny's to provide a detailed explanation as to how it will help the victims and prevent abuses from happening again. It also said it will consider selecting performers based on the company's commitment to respecting human rights. So overall, it sounds like NHK is taking a tough stance on its dealings with Johnny's, and there's been speculation that Kohaku won't feature any of the agency's acts. I mean, good for NHK. They seem to be the only, like, broadcaster at the moment really doing soul-searching about their role in all of this. (laughs) I mean, when you look at these other statements, it's very just like, yes, we do respect human rights. And then it's like, don't ask us anything else. Uh, So yeah, I mean, like, Bravo NHK, at least taking that step. Yeah. Well, they are a public broadcaster, so maybe they have more of a duty to be transparent as they're funded by public fees. <laughs> Good point. I I paid the NHK, man. You better be transparent. <laughs> Good for you, Patrick. I was just tired of the knocking, you know? <laughs> um, but I do think that does, for all of this soul searching and like, what does it all mean, art versus ethics? 
Kohaku, the year-end show, is ultimately a showcase of the year's defining music. Mm. And, like, when you look at the charts in Japan, it's, like, all Johnny's. Despite all of this playing out for the first time publicly in a way we haven't seen over the past few decades, it's, like, every other week is just a different Johnny's group on top of the Oricon charts or even, like, Billboard's kind of more diverse charts, let's say. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the week this whole press conference happened and became this huge flashpoint for Japanese media, Johnny's current biggest group, Snowman, kind of a new generation group aimed towards younger fans, like, they sold over 869,000 copies of their latest single, which is, like, considering most other artists sell, like, 60,000 at most is pretty bananas. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just really underlines that, like, despite all of this, fans do love the performers and are going to come out to support them when they have new music or new albums or even new concerts on the horizon. And on top of that, I mean, the kind of narrative in the past few years is that Kohaku has been worried about declining ratings. Oh, yeah. So, like you still want to have the biggest groups on there so you get those eyes in. If you take away a Snowman or a Stones or a Naniwa Danshi, like, you will lose a ton of viewers, potential viewers, who will watch every TV show that their favorite appears on. Well, let's talk about the fandom a little, Patrick. Um, Who are Johnny's fans? Generally speaking, Johnny's fans are women. Uh, I would say a lot of older women especially ones who probably grew up in the 90s. So that's kind of like peak era, Smop, Kinky Kids, V6. Like these are kind of like the early J-pop superstars coming out of Johnny's. And they've stuck with the company since. So these are women who would have been teenagers in the 90s? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Maybe early 20-something. Young adults, let's say. I mean, say older well. women in Japan kind of means a lot, you know? <laughs> <It's> quite, <laughs> Japanese people live quite long. I was starting to do the math, like, am I an older woman? <laughs> <laughs> but, but the main thing to take away from it is it's mostly women. It's women consumers mm. who have always pushed this talent to the top of the charts and the entertainment world in Japan. Mm. And that is important because it's not always the case where that demographic is being served what they want and being given sort of the pop images that they need in this country. Whereas like men have like dozens and dozens of idol groups to sort of like fawn over, you know, it's complicated, but it's mostly women who are behind them and supporting them. And Johnny's bands uh, tend to have kind of like a wholesome image, don't they? Oh, squeaky clean. Right. (laughs) Uh, Just over the course of their history. And something the media has alleged Johnny's does is whenever one of their talent get in a scandal, let's say they are seen smoking a cigarette, but they're not of legal age. Or there's famous cases of certain performers uh, just showing up naked in a park. Johnny's will do everything they can to sort of get that story, if not like erased, at least kind of like make it less visible. Mm. Because, yeah, this image of, you know, a pure, perfect pop boy that you can project your hopes and dreams onto is really important, um, which is true of all pop music in the 2020s, to be honest. Yeah. And a scandal would also sully that. Exactly. Yeah. Even if it's as insignificant as, like, they went on a date with somebody. Right. Like, that will kind of puncture the fantasy that some fans might have. And you can't, you can't have that. 
So how have the fans reacted to the scandal? Generally speaking, I mean, I would say most fans just want to support the talent that they like. You know, in general, you've seen a lot of fans react negatively to the Johnny's corporate structure and the people involved in it, both because of the obvious horrible assault at the center of all this, but also because there's always been a long simmering kind of frustration with Johnny's and specifically uh, Julie, just about how the company's been run in recent years Hmm. and like things like Smop having to break up in the mid 2010s. Or more recently, the younger Johnny's group, King and Prince, they saw three of their members leave the company, leaving the group as only a duo, which really like left a lot of fans sour mm-hmm. about like, why did this happen? Why did you allow this? So there's a little bit of like fan vindictiveness towards the company. Like, you took away my King and Prince boys. This is what you get. But. I don't think that's the majority. Mm. I do think most people are aware of the human rights issue at the center. Are they blaming the media at all? Oh, you better believe they're blaming the media. Um, A lot of fans of Johnny's have kind of kept an eye on how the media has been treating this post-press conference. Because many have kind of accurately, in my opinion, pointed out that like a lot of publications and broadcasters who kind of ignored this issue for decades kind of took a victory lap over this, kind of just being like, we got him. Mm. We got him finally. But fans have been correct to point out, you're just as guilty as the company in terms of keeping this hush-hush. And they're just happy to call that out and be like, don't pretend like you weren't the BBC here, Fuji TV. You were just like happy to have Conjani 8 on your variety show and like not say anything. Actually, we're calling them Johnny's fans. And Patrick, you wrote a piece last weekend titled, What's in a Name? A lot of baggage and trauma, unfortunately. Do we think Johnny's is going to change its name? Well, I will say at the uh, hair salon we went to at the top of this show, people seem to say that they didn't associate the Johnny's name with the scandal. They kind of compartmentalize what they associate with Johnny's and Johnny Kitagawa. And then at the press conference, too, wasn't there a big deal being made about the new president calling him, like, the formal Kitagawa-shi as opposed to the more friendly, like, Johnny-san? Yeah, yeah, that definitely was a thing that popped up. There's kind of this dance they're doing to try to figure out how to distance themselves while still trying to maintain this brand identity. Yeah. Um, And as that press conference demonstrated, there's still kind of an indecision about all this. Initially, the new president was like, oh, no, we're going to keep the name. I talked with all the other groups. This is like a mark of our pride and history, something like that. But by the end of the press conference, they were more like, well, no, actually, we could change it. Like mm. They almost like turned. <laughs> During the press conference. Yeah, the four-hour press conference. I guess when you have that much time, you're going <laughs> to turn it over your head a lot. Uh, personally, I think you have to change the name. Okay. Like, it's just too wild to name now that you've admitted that the person the company is named after did all of these heinous things in the past for decades unchecked and your company that was named after him didn't address it sooner it's just not a good look whatsoever especially when you have a developmental area that johnny kitagawa preyed on directly called johnny's jr yeah like that's not 
you can't. No, even from a pure cynical branding perspective, it's like, no, it's not going to look good. That's always going to get called out, especially as a company like Johnny's, who has developed more global ambitions in recent years, like foreign media is going to be way more likely to call that out. That's rightfully true. So, yeah, so it's yeah. kind of like, you know, this is your chance to restart. And ultimately, as we've talked about, like, yeah, I think fans are able to kind of separate the Johnny's as term from Johnny Kitagawa, the person. Yeah. But at the same time, they're ultimately here for the artists. So they're not going to care what it's called. Right? Ultimately, Whereas, no. As long as you have these yeah. people who do care what it's called, they're just going to like not be involved whatsoever. So if you change the name, you're kind of making them happy. And the fans are going to come along because they want to support the person. Yeah, all, all they want is to, like, we want to see Naniwa Danshi do well. Yeah. We want to see their dreams come true. Like, we don't care what they're called as long as they're Naniwa Danshi. Yeah. Save for the group Johnny's West, which is one they really should have fought over when they named them. And let's call it Jimmy's West. Jimmy... <laughs> Oh, Jimmy Seville. Yeah, good call. Oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Sean's not hired on the crisis team. <laughs> well, how do you how do you how do you think uh, this scandal is going to affect the greater music industry? I guess that will be the last question for both of you. I think it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. I think in the immediate future, there's going to be a lot of in terms of like the more granular elements of the Japanese music industry. You're going to see like songwriters and producers who were very eager to work with Johnny's in the past from all levels of the industry, from like super mainstream agencies to like underground artists who are getting this shot to work with them. Like, I think they're going to be more questioning if they should do that in the immediate future, at uh -huh. least in the same way that advertisers might be slow to come around to having talent back on. They're going to want to see that there's a real commitment and change. I think beyond that, what I would keep an eye on moving forward is given Johnny's position right now being slightly like wounded, let's say, you know, they're still strong. Their artists are still selling a ton, but they're in a position where they're not nearly as strong as they once were. The rise of social media and just a more fragmented music scene in Japan has just led to more chances for artists who aren't part of Johnny's to emerge and get attention and you're seeing a lot more new agencies pop up who are kind of offering an alternative to johnny's it used to be like if you wanted to be a male superstar in japan johnny's was the end game mm -hmm. right but now you're seeing new efforts from people like sky high a notable japanese rapper he started be myself music group and they've started a bunch of kind of johnny's competitors be first and a bunch of other groups. And that's offering a new platform. You can go to Korea now and just join one of their agencies. There's more options out there now. And Johnny's will always be present in the entertainment sphere. But I think this will help change the ecosystem where there's more options available for performers. Well, my thinking is, how is this going to affect journalism? So I think this is the time for outlets and reporters to reflect on their role in the entertainment industry and how overlooking such a serious issue because of fear of retaliation or whatever reason um, meant allowing an abuser to continue without consequences. Um, Patrick, you mentioned earlier that a lot of outlets treated this like post um, press conference period as like kind of a victory lap. 
But the truth is, you know, the public kind of knew about this for decades and it wasn't really spoken about. And I think it's worth noting that, you know, this news is coming out after years after Kitagawa's death. And so a lot of his victims, you know, they may not get the closure that they could have gotten if this had all come out before he passed. So he's never going to face the consequences of his actions. And I think the maybe the reason for this kind of so-called victory lap as well is like a lot of these people would have heard the rumors and wanted to investigate. But, you know, something was stopping these individual journalists from doing that. Right. And that's a system. And I think that maybe there was glee in the fact that they could finally report something that they had wanted to report, you know, over a long time. Well, anyway, this will continue to be, I guess, an ongoing uh, story. And thanks very much for coming on Deep Dive to discuss it, Patrick and Alyssa. Thanks, John. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you to all my guests for coming on this week's episode of Deep Dive. There will be a lot of extra content in the show notes, so please check that out. And if you're enjoying these episodes of Deep Dive, we would like to ask that you leave us a comment or rating on the podcasting platform you heard us on. That helps give us a boost in terms of awareness from other users. Elsewhere in the Japan Times, September 12th marked the 20th anniversary of the Sofia Coppola film Lost in Translation, and our film critic James Hadfield spoke to members of the Japanese cast and crew to get their takes on how the shoot went down, the movie's legacy, what it did for Tokyo, and some of the more problematic scenes. Deep Dive from the Japan Times is produced by Dave Cortez. Our outgoing music is by Oscar Boyd, and the theme tune is by Japanese musician 4L. I'm Sean McKenna. Otsukare-sama. Thank you.